Welcome to episode 14 of Informed Aging, a podcast about health, health and heart decisions for older adults. I'm Robin Roundtree. I spent six years as a family caregiver and I now work in the senior care industry with senior helpers. With me is my co-host, Edith Gendron. She's the chief of operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center a positive approach to care certified trainer and consultant, and a former family caregiver with over 20 years of experience in the industry. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to me and Edith, not our wonderful employers and sponsors. If you want to get mad, get mad at us and not at them. And please, before making any significant changes in you or your person's life, please consult your own experts. Today, we're talking about dementia-friendly dining, dementia-friendly travel, and a lot more. Our guest is Dennis Dolniak, and we'll be right back with him after this short message. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care, the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. And we're back with Dennis Dolniak. You've got a lot of titles, so let me just start your story by saying you were a care partner to your wife who had a form of dementia. And that led to many other things. So I'm going to start there and then hand it off to you. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate being here with you and Edith. And yes, my caregiving experience started with my wife's diagnosis with early onset Alzheimer's. Mm. She had that for seven years and passed away in January of 2021. During that time, I certainly learned a lot from a lot of resources in our community. And I'm now in a process of giving back. That's great. That is great. And one of those ways is dementia-friendly dining. Now, I've taken a person out with dementia. My mother, dining was not easy at all. So tell me what you're doing with that and some tips on how to make it easier. Certainly. Thank you. And mm-hmm. really, it started when Nancy and I would go out for, for lunch right. and found a restaurant in East Orlando that uh, was a very friendly restaurant. And we actually got an email from our son who sent an article about dementia-friendly dining in West Virginia. Oh. Well, talking to those owners, we suddenly realized this is a prospect here. Yeah. And they were open arms and very supportive and said, let us be first. And so we actually did identify them and created a dementia-friendly dining in Central Florida. We now have a website. We Which now is? Central Florida Dementia Friendly Dining. Okay. <laughs> we have a Facebook page, and we started it in January of 2020. Eight weeks later, it closed because of COVID. Oh. And so what we had started, unfortunately, was put on the back burner. Right. Now that the COVID numbers are lower, it's time to reopen. Yes. And so I'm very, very happy to announce that we will be reopening dementia-friendly dining in Central Florida in May of 2022. Fantastic. So what makes a restaurant dementia-friendly? Well, the first thing is we're looking for restaurants that have a back room. Okay. Where the environment is very uh, protected. It's a safe environment. 
They have owners who are willing to have us come in and train their staff on what's different with the families who bring in their loved ones with dementia, because there are significant differences, as you already mentioned, how difficult it is taking a loved one out in public. Who does that training? We actually do the training ourselves. Okay. I know Edith participated early on. and we developed it. And now uh, it will be my partner, Tony Gittles, and myself doing the training at these uh, restaurants. Very nice. So what are some things, if we aren't going to a dementia-friendly designated restaurant, that can make everyday dining with a person with dementia a little bit easier? Well, I think it's really important that you're familiar with the restaurant in advance. Okay. So that you understand that the environment is a calming environment. The music is not overly loud. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of interactions that go on around And you can take them to a quiet table away from the public so that you control the interactions that go on. You can control the amount of uh, uh, confusion that may go on. And you scope out the menu in advance because it's important when taking a person with dementia to limit their choices and to help them. And sometimes it's helpful to even tell the waitstaff and the management, that this person has dementia because you can't control the actions of that individual that may, may go on there. And so we want to make sure that the environment is friendly, it's okay. safe, it's well lit. Okay. And you're keeping them away from other interactions that might be upsetting. Or if their actions are upsetting, it doesn't affect other people. Yes. It's important to make sure um, with regard to choice that our folks that we're caring for do have a choice. It might not be the entire menu because that might be overwhelming. Right. But it is. And it's important, too, to point out that here in Central Florida, our um, sole dementia-friendly dining restaurant is the Meatball Stop, which is also featured on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives with Guy Fieri. Oh, right? very nice. So, yeah, they were a triple D, and they are the ones that are going to be opening it again um, specifically for dementia-friendly dining. And that doesn't mean um, nobody's welcome but those couples or right. diets or families. It means on this Tuesday, 2 to 5, we're going to make special effort for families that come in that might need dementia-friendly dining. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. Very dedicated folks there, Isabella and Jeff. Wonderful. It's so great that they're wanting to be a part of this, and hopefully many, many, many other restaurants will want to be a part of it, too. And there are. I've already lined up our second one. Awesome. And that is the Townhouse in Oviedo. Okay. And they are really excited about having us come in and train their staff and open up to the community because it's that family-owned restaurant that's going to make a difference. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So if somebody is listening from not in the Central Florida area and wants some information about how to do this in their own territory, can they reach out to you, Dennis? They can. Again, we have a Facebook page, we have a website, and they can contact us through that website. Okay. And I found um, when I was taking mom out that very tactfully and not so mom could hear explain to whoever I was dealing with that there was dementia usually I could just mouth the word and first you just automatically get so much more patience and understanding with the person in retail or 
Yes. And, and we have at ADRC, um, and we'll give them to anyone, we have those little cards that say, and I don't have one right in front of me, but it says something like, the person I'm with is living with cognitive impairment. Thank you for your kindness and patience. Yes. And that way, again, it kind of protects the dignity and it doesn't use inflammatory language. And it can be used with anyone. Yes. Right? Because cognitive changes occur in many, many, many ways. So that's nice to have. And it just, just don't make a big deal about yeah. it. But even going to the dry cleaners, I knew mom was going to take extra time. So just mouthing mm-hmm. the word. And then it's like everybody relaxes and knows, you know, take take an extra two minutes with us, please. And you bring up a point, and I won't take us off track, but dementia-friendly friendly dining is one aspect of a dementia-friendly community. Ah. So, uh, you know, I've trained eye doctors. You know, you go into a... Um, any business that is willing to spend no more than an hour having their people trained. And when we say trained, we mean just raising awareness. And you usually you get, oh, gee, thanks. I wouldn't have known that. It makes everything move more smoothly because nobody wants to deliberately upset a customer. Right. right? Yeah. And the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center would be happy to train anyone in the Central Florida area. Happy to train anyone in the Central Florida area. We are even happy to consider bringing in train the trainers kind of concept from okay. anywhere wow right from anywhere okay right. we would have to set that up but yeah all right dennis i hope you have 50 restaurants in let's say by the end of 2022 you are very very optimistic yes i am <laughs> <laughs> and i would go with 25 okay that would be a great 25 great year would be fabulous yes, indeed because yeah. we need to create these restaurants throughout our community not yes. just in a specific neighborhood they need to be open and they need to be friendly. And the more people we train, it adds to that kindness and compassion. Right. And the same concept could certainly be applied to those on the autism spectrum because there are some similarities in the behaviors. So it really doesn't do any harm to train your staff on how to deal with someone who's a little different. Right, right. I've I've been approached by uh, that segment too. And I'm saying, let me get success with dementia. Right. And then, we'll then move on. that model can be applied in other areas. Love and, it. Yeah, because in particular, when we talk about folks with Down syndrome, that's mm-hmm. a group that gets very little attention, but is at real risk more so than other people. Yes. So, but yeah, and I think it was the airport, uh, MCO, or Orlando International Airport, just recently announced that they have a quiet room now. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that was because of my talking with the leader there, we'll leave it at that, when um, someone with young onset was treated so poorly. Um, So like, you need a room, you need a place where folks can just be and not be subjected to the utter chaos of an airport. Yes, and I hear the the, uh, parks in the area are starting Mm -hmm. to either have Mm -hmm. a quiet place or Mm -hmm. suggestions where it's not as busy. Yeah, I think universal. By yes. their front, by their front yes. gate. So yeah. And listen, those places can get overwhelming for me. Oh, so I'm please. like, there's a quiet room yeah. <laughs> or a quiet place. Yeah. The stimulation can be very upsetting. Yeah. Yes. Perfect segue into talking about traveling with dementia. We right? are going to do that right after this message. For over 37 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center has served as a Central Florida-based, grassroots, nonprofit, and community resource center dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for someone they love who is living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementia-related illness. 
The ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, skill, and strategies through a variety of programs to help them confidentially prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit their website at adrccares.org. That's adrccares.org. We are back with Dennis Dulniak. He was a care partner for his wife, and he is now giving back after seven years of taking care of her. We were talking about what he's doing with dementia-friendly dining. And you will also work with dementia-friendly cruising, which, oh, how I wish I would have known about before I took my mother on a cruise with her dementia. And it was a disaster because I took her to the busy places that were overstimulating and it didn't turn out well. So I wish I would have known about this, but hey, we learned from our lessons. So how does this work, Dennis? Well, we came upon this concept of dementia-friendly cruising Mm -hmm. through an advertisement that was national at the time while Nancy had her dementia. Mm. And we took our first cruise, and it was a wonderful success. Great. Because this company is designed to provide supported travel for people who are the caregivers or families with dementia. And I now am working with them, not really working, I guess it's a volunteer thing, Mm -hmm. but I've now been on six of their cruises and helping their support team in doing programming, in doing support during the respite sessions, doing caregiver group, group sessions for support, and of course, all of the experiences that go along with dementia-friendly cruising. So this is a company that has already produced over a dozen cruises, stopped again during COVID, mm-hmm. but now resumed. And they've now had four successful cruises since the cruise lines have reopened up. And I myself was on the Panama Canal cruise last fall. Wow. And plan on doing the New York City cruise and another Panama Canal cruise this year. And what is the cruise line? Well, they use Holland America okay. for most of their cruises. They find that Holland America understands that dementia is a special care group. And they provide rooms. They provide support. They book our group dining sessions, both for lunch and dinner, on a flat level so that there are no stairs, nice. since many of our, our people are uh, mobile, de- mm-hmm. in- dependent on, on walkers or wheelchairs. And so what we do in that session is we will have a four-to-one ratio of one professional team member for each of the four people with dementia wow. or less. We have an RN on staff. 24-7. So should there be any issues that crop up that need attention, they don't have to go to the sick bay on the ship. Nice. We also provide respite sessions for the caregiver of two hours a day. Mm. Uh, if, in fact, they do excursions off the cruise ship, we accompany them. Uh, we make sure that the uh, visit to the private island includes a beach day where the person, whether they're mobily impaired, gets a chance to put their feet in the water. Oh. And we use those big wheel wheelchairs on yes. the sand to get them in there. And it is just heartwarming to see mm. them in the water and their caregiver just making these fond memories that uh, you wouldn't think were possible, but right. they are. 
Yeah. And Nancy and I experienced those in a couple of cruises, and now I'm being able to pass that on support with other people. That is, I'm just uh, getting my goosebumps over here. That is so amazing. So if someone is interested in one of these cruises, what do they do, Dennis? Well, there is a website, Elite Supported Travel, uh, where Kathy Schof is the travel agent on that. Uh, we've got an Alaska cruise happening uh, in August. Uh, then, of course, the Panama Canal cruise. And then the one I'm interested in is actually using the Cunard Queen Mary II out of New York City leaving July 1st for the 4th of July in Boston. Oh. Yep. If you go to Alaska and you go to Juneau, go to Tracy's Crab Shack. <laughs> okay. Random recommendation for me to throw that in there. That was really important for everybody to know. <laughs> so you, you've talked about how to make the cruising good, but the airplane flight, any tips on that? Sure, sure. It's, again, important that you make sure that your loved one is taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that means packing for them. Yeah. And sometimes that can be a disaster. And so having a packing list, having a suitcase that you could lock after you've packed it, assuring your loved one that, yes, it's already there and we've taken care of it. Because I've had horror stories come back saying Mm -hmm. they've repacked the suitcase daily and they keep asking, when are we leaving? When are we leaving? When are we leaving? And you just have to be patient with this right. and confident that you've taken care of it. And you can, and you can go to the, go to the uh, airlines or drive down to uh, the, the cruise port. Mm-hmm. And if you are flying in, we actually meet them at the airport. Nice. And so we take care of any of the confusion that may exist. We give them support from the minute they step off the plane and escort them to the hotel that we stay the night before. Good. And then escort them to the cruise lines so that we're there as a group. And the cruise lines is very supportive. Again, they understand dementia, or at least we think they do. And we actually work with them very, very well. So that whole process of registration, check-in, luggage, is taken care of and supported. Oh, that's amazing. Give me the website again where they would want to reach you if you wanted to book one of these cruises. That would be www.elitecruisesandvacationstravel.com. Okay, what a fantastic thing. It is a bit long. Let's let's have it one more time. Sure. It is elitecruisesandvacationstravel.com. All right, Dennis. Now we're going to get personal. Um Typically, Edith and I will think of a caregiver of someone with dementia as a female, but that is certainly not always the case. So talk to us about the experience of being a male caregiver for your wife. Hard to compare it to a woman, but I'm sure there are some differences. There are differences, and I actually facilitate the men's support group Mm -hmm. that we are doing through the Alzheimer's Dementia Resource Center because I found that through our couple support group, When we split up by men and women, the men's issues differ from the women's issues. And when we're in a mixed group for caregiving, the men tend to fall back and let the women talk. Smart. But when the men are together, the comfort zone is there and the openness is there that men are able to then ask questions and sometimes pretty 
pretty sensitive questions that would not necessarily come up in a mixed company. One thing we have to be aware of, um, and we're coming a little bit out of it, but particularly for our men, is cohort groups, right? We have men who are 75, 80, and older, and they were taught, suck it up, take care of it, you're the man, you fix everything. Yes. So you start there, and this is something that can't be fixed, Yes. Right? And sucking it up is probably the single most deadly thing you can do. Right. So Dennis facilitates this group. He creates an atmosphere that is safe, and safe is very important. And they do. I was invited as a guest mm. to talk with them, and they are very willing to talk and talk about their private situations. And that's not always something you see. So he's done a lot of, of good hard work. And he also has a counterpart for the in-person one, Chuck Dudley, and he does a great job too. Nice. So some of the concerns that male caregivers have that that females don't? Well, the whole piece of uh, privateness. Okay. Mm. And the fact that uh, if you're taking care of mom, you may have to take care of her bodily functions. Right. And the embarrassment that can happen there with mom, or even their wife for that matter. Right. That, how do you deal with that? The incontinence issue, which frequently comes into play. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's your mom and you love her, but yet the sensitivity of now having to take charge with patience to repeat oneself, to actually talk, talk to them in a non-judgmental fashion. Mm. Because... Tone is very important. Nonverbal communication is very important. And I know Edith touched already upon the fact of uh, men being fixers. And that's exactly one of the points is that we have to, we, we try to come up with solutions. But I try to teach them to have a toolbox of plan Bs. What to do if, if this one's not working, have you considered taking this approach? And that has been helpful because our our support group is both a mix of current caregivers and widowers. Mm. And it's the widowers that bring that wisdom and actually are more willing to share their stories that really help out tremendously. I just God bless them for, for willing to keep coming and dealing with that subject, which I'm sure a lot of them would prefer to close the door on it. But for them to show up and help others on the same journey, I'm just really impressed by that. So if you're in the Central Florida area and a male caregiver or you know one, when are the meetings? Our meetings for the men's support group happen on the first and third Thursdays. One meeting is in person at one of our neighborhood restaurants, and the other one's on Zoom. All right. Anybody can join. Anybody can join. And actually, it's even from people outside Central Florida. Yes. Oh, very nice. Zoom is the great uniter. That's right. (laughs) So you can learn about that on adrccares.org. Right. Dennis, thank you so much for all that you are doing for the world of dementia. Um, I just think it's just going to keep growing and growing, and I'm looking forward to being a witness to it. Thank you for your support. 
thanks for letting me share. Absolutely. Now, we want you to make sure to subscribe to the podcast, Informed Aging. Tell your family and friends about us. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram, Informed underscore Aging, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Informed Aging. The email, Informed Aging Podcast at Gmail. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio. That's it for now. We're looking forward to our next visit.